We welcome you to the OTP. It is game week. Time for the Mac and Three to get us started for the 2019 season. That means Amy Wells is here. Hello. Hello, Amy Wells. That means Jim White from TitansOnline.com is here. In the house. That means Titans Radio's coach Dave McGinnis is here. Hey, Mike. How is everybody? Great. All right, so we had plotted this show to start with me asking Coach Dave McGinnis four days before the first game, what's the thing that a head coach and a coaching staff would be most worried about? I wrote it down right here, and I'll show you this just to show you that we're not faking this. All right, so what were you going to say before the news hit? You worry about health. You worry about health. That's what you worry about because you don't worry about anything else because you've got control of how you prepare. But health, it's hard to control. Well, we can't control how we prepare. So we get the news just before we record that Ryan Suckup is going on injured reserve and is replaced by Cairo Santos. Jim Wyatt, it it obviously comes as a big surprise because Suckup missed, I guess, virtually all of training camp. He's brought in off PUP. Things seem to be progressing. But then against Chicago, six days ago, things start to take a, a little bit of a weird turn. It's just not coming around. Yeah, and I have to feel like the general manager and the head coach, you know, you prepare for every scenario that they realized when they took Ryan Suckup off PUP, even before training camp started, that you were going to have to have some backup plans in your mind. And ideal, you know, in an ideal world, Ryan Suckup continues to improve, gets himself in a position where he can kick against the Browns and is good to go throughout the season. Didn't play out that way. And, and uh, so Cairo Santos, it's crazy the way it played out because Cairo Santos, the reason that Ryan Suckup ended, here in the, uh, ended up here in the first place because that's who beat out Ryan Suckup in Kansas City and led Ryan here to, in 2014. So he steps in, is going to do the job. He's, he's been an accurate kicker. You know, his, his percentage is, is pretty close to what Ryan has been throughout the course of his career. And Ryan now has an opportunity to continue to heal, and we'll see what happens here in the second half of the season where he whether he ends up back on this roster at some point uh, again or not. We're watching practice on Monday, and we observe the special teams period where they're kicking field goals, and it's just obvious he doesn't have quite the pop he normally does. And this is the week you have to turn it loose, you know, whereas the first couple preseason games, they're they're setting up. And, and, and you see this on the sidelines. They're setting up to give him field goal opportunities, Amy. Oh, absolutely. The, and Mike Vrabel said it after the game even that they kicked field goals in some situations they wouldn't normally because they wanted to give Ryan Suck right. up those reps. They wanted him to get back into the groove because he hadn't kicked very often in the games throughout the preseason. So to go from intentionally setting him up to kick to six days later putting him on IR – we were all a little surprised. But Monday, we're watching, and it just isn't doesn't look like the the same guy we're used to. Yeah, and I think Ryan obviously knew that. Uh, coaching staff knew that. Uh, general manager knew it. So then that's when you have to make a move to protect yourself moving forward. Now, of course, uh, some people are going to say, well, why didn't you prepare yourself better? Why is this move happening 
uh, you know, five days before the season starts. Reality is, if you would have brought in a young kicker to kick during training camp or during the preseason, I think you're still going to lean toward signing a veteran. We know we've been through this before. Sure. You know, it went, I mentioned the suck up coming here in 2014. He came here after the Titans tried some younger guys in camp that year and then suck ups available. So you bring him in and you feel great about your kicking situation. The same thing's kind of happened this year. If the Titans would have brought in, Austin Bernard handled the kicking uh, chores during the course of the preseason until Ryan was healthy. Is he a true kicker? No. And a, he's certain, a punter. Yeah, he's a punter. And, and the Titans could have gotten a young kicker to handle some of that. I still think the end game is going to be signing a veteran for the start of the season like they did with Santos and and going into the year with him instead of rolling the dice on a young, unproven guy uh, who might have been here during camp. And the important part of the story, too, Dave McGinnis, is you count on veterans to tell you the truth. Ryan Suckup is nearly 33 years old. He's a pro. The guy's a big-time pro. And if he doesn't have it, even if he feels great, which I think he does, if he doesn't have what it takes at this moment, if he doesn't have that oomph, He's got to tell you, and I, I guess he did that, which is important to the Titans. Well, it's extremely important, and, and, and your veterans are always going to be honest with you. And as you guys say, you, I mean, you saw that he didn't have the pop out there, but he could always say, no, you know what, I feel good. You know, if he wasn't a professional about it, say, no, I feel good. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that, and that's what you want. I mean, you want honesty with, with what's going on, especially in this. Your personnel department guys have always got a, a Rolodex of kickers sure. that are out there that are available. <clears throat> I mean, I've been through kicking caravans before. You know, when you... You had when, a Grammatica, didn't you? Bill Grammatica. I lost a kicker in the middle of a game and didn't have any kickers. And, and then, you know, so it's... You always have a backup plan as far as your personnel department as people that you are looking at. And the fact that they are able to bring in Santos that has a is a veteran kicker has kicked in games. I mean, he replaced Greg Zerline at the Rams, you know, when Greg Zerline was injured, you know, with his, with his back injury. So, I mean, this is a this was a, a this was a good move. It, I, I I hate it for Ryan and I hate it for, you know, the fact that he is a guy that that is important to this team, but he was really important to your point of being honest and saying I don't have it right now. Not easy because he knows if Cairo Santos is rolling eight weeks from now, Cairo Santos is probably still going to be the kicker, Amy. Yeah, I mean, this has happened to him before with right. this same guy. I mean, I don't know if things are going to be awkward in the training room. We'll find out. But knowing, but yeah. him, knowing him, no chance. No, I mean, he's I'm lovely sure he and delightful. And I, well, but I'm sure he was great to this. Knowing the type of human being he is and what he said about him after, even after he got cut and ended up with the Titans he never said anything but glowing things about Cairo Santos you know he mentored him while he was there but I mean golly this is a it's a tough business it's a tough business and um, I mean that gives Cairo Santos eight weeks to basically show what he can do and improve and really show off for this Titans team and then you know we there are some decisions that will need to be made and Hopefully this gives Ryan a really good chance to get 100% and kind of get that spark back that he needs, and then we go from there. But I, uh, poor Ryan, I just feel bad. Santo has been through this before, too. 
So, I mean, th- this is nothing new to him. And that and these these kickers in this league, I mean, it's a it's a small fraternity, and they all they all operate in the same orbit. I mean, they know. So he's been through this too. He's almost twenty eight. Uh, he has been with the Chiefs and did did a nice job for the Chiefs. Also spent time with the Bears, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and was most recently with Tampa Bay in training camp and had a nice thing going there, just wasn't able to win the job. But again, not a young kicker, 83% made field goals, uh, 96% made extra points, 7 of 14 from 50 yards or longer, so okay in that area. Uh, kickoff ratio, he's a little below 50%, but most of that dates back to his rookie year in 2014. Since then, he's been able to put him in the end zone with regularity. Yeah, and I expect him to do well. I mean, I, I think, you know, the guys who will face a little bit of a challenge going into the year, and, and, they, and there's time, but, you know, Brett Kern, Bo Brinkley, those guys have talked so much just about, you know, what a well-old machine that's been as far as getting the timing down you know, with the snaps and just how you like the hold. And uh, they'll have to work through some things on short notice. But all those guys are pro pros. I expect them to do well. It, it's crazy how time flies because I mentioned the suck-up. This is not the first time uh, the Titans have had to deal with the kicking change the week before the season starts because Ryan suck-up in 2014 was brand new when that season started. He ended up going down to Kansas City and kicking against his former team in week one. But go all the way back to 2004 when uh, Joe Nedney and, and Joe Nedney got hurt in the season opener in week one in 2003 and re- was replaced by uh, Gary Anderson. Craig Hendrick first. Yes, Craig Hendrick first. Craig Hendrick yeah. made three field goals <laughs> against the Rams to help win that season opener yes. on Sunday night football. And then Gary Anderson came out of the trout stream to be the kicker for the rest yes. of the year. And then crazy 2004, the following year, and to talk about another deal when you're standing out here watching practice, we were out here watching practice and it was a windy day and uh, Joe Nedney had the ball up on a tee and there was a gust of wind that came right as he was approaching the tee and he kind of extended himself to get to the ball and ended up tearing up his knee uh, as a result of that so they had to go back to the well and call Gary Anderson out of retirement to have him kick in 2004 that was the week of the season opener yes and that was the week that we went to Miami and had to play on Saturday because of the impending hurricane and it's ironic I told Amy Wells this story last week she had never heard this the Aaron Elling story so we're down there and you can pick up what you knew. Of course, Craig Hendrick had a lot of back and neck issues. And after his career ended, found out that he had needed ACL surgery since back to Notre Dame. And so that's a whole nother wild story. But in pregame warmups, we're sitting there getting ready to do the broadcast. And Pat Ryan was my color commentator. And there are a bunch of guys punting in warmups. And we think it's like what they used to do back in the Fisher days where the offensive linemen would come out and play what they called reindeer games. And because Bruce Matthews was such an incredible athlete, he would have the offensive line throwing the ball through the goalpost or kicking or punting and whatever. So you're like, well, that's weird that all these guys are out there in their full pads playing reindeer games because they would normally do this two, two and a half hours before the game because they're a bunch of goofballs, a bunch of guys playing a kid's sport, so whatever. Well, it's like Donnie Nicky 
and, you know, linemen, and you're like, what in the world's going on? Well, Craig Hetrick's back has locked up, and you got to find a kicker in warm-ups in a windy day with a hurricane coming. Let me give you a little behind the scenes. Give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting in that locker room at Miami, which isn't the greatest. No, it's not fabulous. And so Jeff Fisher and I are lockering next to each other, and we're sitting there before the game, and he's going through – you know, we're going through our pregame checklist. This is way early. Now, we're just sitting there, and Alan Lowry, who's our special teams coach, comes in just in, coach, 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 Hendrick, Hendrick just blew his back out. I, I, he can't even walk. I don't know what we're going to do. Jeff Fisher never looked up. He never looked up. He just kept doing like this. He went, okay. He went, uh, shoe carnival, get a kicking caravan going, find someone. Never looked up. And come back and tell me who it's going to be. So i got to fill out this active <laughs> roster thing. <laughs> I mean, what else were you going to do at that point, right? I, I mean, the whole yeah. thing was crazy. So here's Aaron Elling, who you absolutely don't know at all. And Aaron Elling is getting cut on Monday because the call has gone out to Gary Anderson. Everybody knows this, but Gary Anderson's in Canada or Montana. No, no, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a fly fishing camp up in Canada. Okay. And so – yeah, so fish he called can't him. Get he, back. he said, "Look, I can't get back. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm, I'm a tour, I'm a tour guide right now." He said, "I could come back." And he brought his fly fishing rod with him, and and would be inside <laughs> casting, right. You know, during practice, and because uh, he's mean, like a hundred and six years old. No, no, no. I lived through the whole thing, and it was wonderful. <laughs> he's older than you are. No, isn't it, he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. It was wonderful, and I mean, it was you know, and, and Jeff Fisher, as non-pulsed as he is, you know, it, fish is as cool as they get. He was going okay. Come on down. He said, "Go ahead and go ahead and bring your go ahead and bring your rod down here. You can practice in the bubble, and then come out and kick." So Aaron Elling <laughs> is going to be the kicker, Amy Wells, for one game, September 11, 2004, at Miami, with a hurricane supposedly on its way in, wind blowing everywhere. He's going to be the kicker, and now he finds out he's going to be the punter. He doesn't punt. Right. I mean, that's not what he does. He's a place kicker, and he's there for one game. And he makes a field goal and two extra points. And punts well. Six punts, an average of 45.3, one inside the 20. His net average was 40.2. The Titans win the game 17-7. to He's given a game ball, and 48 hours later, he's given a bus ticket. Yeah, a pink yeah, slip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pink slip. No, we had, a, we had a big celebration in the locker room after the game, and everybody's you know cheering him when Fish gave But he knew he was gone, too. I mean, he knew he was gone. So this is better than that. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. All of that to say it could be worse. And it's a great well, point that you bring up. All right, so let's get to Cleveland. And I'm going to have to throw out some of the stuff that I sent you that we were going to talk about because this is obviously a, a bigger and more interesting story. All that work. And but this is really good proof that we do actually prepare for these well, things. Like I mean, Coach so Max got his notebook Coach here. You sent us a lovely email. I, did. I wrote notes, you which did. is odd. All right, I'm going like, to try to hit some of these things so we can get through them. But one advantage that I thought the Titans really had this weekend is a veteran special teams unit, whereas Cleveland's going with new kicker and punter. Yes, they are. And so is that kind of out the window now, that advantage? No, it's not out the window. I mean, I think, again, it's not like you're bringing in a rookie kicker that hasn't kicked in the National Football League. It may be someone that's new to what you do. And, And Jim... Wyatt has the has the most salient point in all of this. The battery has to get used to working together, and that's why at, they've got this time now from Wednesday 
to kick off to work on that type of thing. And it's not like it's not like he's used to kicking from a different distance on the snaps and any of that. He's been in the league. Yeah, and I'm with Coach Mack. I mean, I, I do think he'll be ready. And has it's not like you pull him out of retirement either. This is a guy who kicked during the preseason. Has got. Uh, you know, he's got the flow of the game still in his body, and I expect him to kind of keep it keep it rolling. All right. So, lead topic was going to be Jared Goff gets a new contract from the Rams, 110 million guaranteed. Ezekiel Elliott gets a new contract from the Cowboys, 50 million guaranteed. Which player got the best deal? Well, I think that I think Jared Goff got the best deal, and I think the team got the best deal also. Okay. Double because winner. You don't want to be the club that's setting the market for running backs. Running backs is not a market that you want to set. The Rams set the set the market with Todd Gurley, and then you know once that knee started flaring up, they're regretting that. This quarterback market it's going to continue to accelerate. You got young Patrick Mahomes coming up. You got Dak Prescott coming up in four years. You know you've you've got the kid at, at Cleveland that we're getting ready to play coming up. You want to get ahead. You always want to get ahead of the quarterback market. And what's he got? Four years, a hundred and how many? It's one hundred ten million okay. guaranteed. Okay, well that's twenty seven million a year, right? You know, by by four years, just about, and that's about the market right now. You don't, you, you don't want to be chasing the quarterback market. The running back market, it it it, it fluctuates so much right now. Elliott's a different deal because he is their offense right, right. now. He's a different deal. He's their offense right now, just like Todd Gurley was different. So I think Jared Goff and the Rams won this. Yeah, and I think for Dallas, I'd be interesting to see exactly how Zeke's contract is structured. He's such a volatile human being just in general. So with all of the kind of the crazy off-the-field stuff that they have going on where he's always kind of, is he playing, is he not playing? It's There's a lot of unknowns, so I would be interested to see exactly how this contract is set up and how he's getting – I mean, $90 million is the number that's been thrown out. It's yeah. $50 million guaranteed. The, the, real, like, the real number is what's guaranteed. That's right. Exactly, that's Everything it. else, I mean, if you're a fan and you're following the NFL – It's the guaranteed it's money the guaranteed that you care about. It's the guaranteed money that counts because everything else – is just for show. It's yeah. agent, right. it's, uh, that big number at the end that they like to throw out, that's agent fluff. Right. That's what that is. Absolutely. And so, with it, but within that fluff and even within that guaranteed money, where is he getting paid and how how is it kind of structured based on the fact that he has proven to be somewhat unreliable in terms of his availability? Yeah, and I'm with an agreement. I mean, I, uh, you know, the Rams, to have their quarterback locked up, you know, a good move for that organization. Sean McVay's got his guy moving forward. If you're Zeke, I mean, Zeke probably got the better deal because you just don't see, you're not going to see running back contracts with that kind of guaranteed money that often anymore. So for the fact that he gets it, you know, good for him. Interesting for the Titans, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Quarterback yes, it is. and a running back on the yep. horizon. So numbers that John Robinson and Vin Marino, I'm sure, were very interested to see. Yeah, and not lost in that is the fact that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz have the same agent that uh, Marcus Mariota has as he ah. heads into his contract year. See, we vetted both of those guys coming out. You know, when I was at the Rams, and you know, and Jeff Fisher made the choice to go with Jared Goff, and 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 part of that was, you know, a little bit of. Carson Wentz, if you'll, you'll dig back on what he was, you know, in college, he was good, but he had some injury issues. He did. He, he did have some injury issues in college, and they're two completely different quarterbacks. But anyway, they both got paid. And plus, you know, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it's all, look, it's, it's a real, real tight circle. And so it's all just like what we're all saying. It's going to daisy chain to everybody. As soon as you, as soon as somebody gets paid at a position, then ev- it affects everybody in the league because sooner or later, you're going to have to pay that position too. Quick roster stuff. Biggest surprise on the roster, Jim Wyatt. Biggest surprise roster. And, and it, this is going into Chicago because that, when I looked at uh, Chicago week, I didn't think Dalen Dawkins would be on this roster uh, after Chicago I get it. Uh, I never would have had Dalen Dawkins as the extra running back uh, up until what he did in Chicago. I agree with that. But I also said um, David Quisenberry. Just throughout camp, his name was not one that popped up a ton. He wasn't one that was ever really in the ones and twos rotation and all of that. I was excited for him, but surprised that he made the 53. I say a Mac from how far he had to come. To make it to a to a fifty three, biggest surprise not on the roster. Uh, Corey Levin, to me, just because he had been in the mix, you know, constantly, you know, with what they were, you know, looking at all the different combinations during training camp. That was my bigger surprise. Jeremy McNichols, I was confident, I was sure he was on this roster. Corey Levin for me as well, and, uh, and team ended up picking Jamil Douglas, who can do, you know, pl- play center and guard. Most surprising number at any position on the initial 53 in terms of, like, for example, eight offensive linemen, so on and so forth. I was surprised that we kept four running backs. That surprised me. I thought we'd have three and invest other places. Yeah, and I guess the way things played out with Kalu going to IR, I, th- I guess the fact just four safeties now on the roster. You go heavy at corner uh, in a pinch if you need guys, and again, this team still has Hooker and Crookshank behind the starting two, but uh, I guess in a pinch, Logan Ryan could maybe play safety for you if you had to in a game, um, which would give you the five, but um, just for safety, I think, is mine. I called Amy Wells last night and asked her what she thought, and she told me four <laughs> running backs, so I say four running backs. No, I, got, I got four running backs. Right yeah, four running backs. Is, if this were the match game, we would have two matches. Two matches. That surprised me. Um. Let's talk concerns. All right, let's start with going into the Cleveland game. Coaches obviously have concerns in different areas, and Coach Mack did a great job saying any coach is concerned four days before the game is is health. But let's go specific into Cleveland. My question, Dave McGinnis, is can the Titans block Cleveland's front four? How big a concern is that? They can block them, but it's not about blocking them, you know, every now and then. You need to consistently control them during the game. That's what you need to do. That, that to me, is, 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 is really paramount in this football game, controlling them consistently, their defensive front. Yeah, and I guess I'm, I've, I've kind of jotted down scale of 1 to 10, where's the concern? I put, I put 7 uh, at blocking their front four, block, blocking what they're going to bring just because so many moving pieces uh, on the Titans' offensive line. It, it's, I, do I think the personnel and the guys that are that are going to be starting on Sunday are capable of doing it? I do. But Dennis Kelly playing in a, really in an unfamiliar spot for him, a couple of new guards in there. Uh, we saw some – uh, issues during the course of the preseason and they'd be cleaned up. So uh, I think, to me, that's the biggest concern going into the game. Can the Titans get pressure on Baker Mayfield? How big a concern? I say that's a low concern. I think they totally can. Well, I think this Titans defense is ready to be unleashed a little bit, and I'm excited to see them get after him. And I put that as a four uh, on the on the one to ten scale just because – and it doesn't have to come from just – you know your guys up front this is where Dean Peace can 
get a little creative and send extra players and do some things that he did so well last year to generate extra pressure. Coverage is key to all of that. Coverage is key to pressure on Mayfield because he is a cylinder thrower. I mean, he's not – and he doesn't jackrabbit immediately, and he likes to scan the field. So if your coverage is good, it gives you a better chance to get back there. Next one, can the Titans stop or at least slow Cleveland's run game? They can do it with eight. I mean, absolutely they can do it with eight. They need to be able to do it with seven. That's what I want to see. I just wrote hope so. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where I'm at. Wow, that's – that's deep, deep, anal- yeah, that's, deep analysis yeah. from this side of the yeah, table. And I, and I go think so. Yeah, I, I, I think I, so. Good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, th- I think so. Uh, I think so would be about a six, maybe a five or a six. That's better than hope so. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> that's good. That's, uh, this is now, where this you, is, this is, you come to the OTP. <laughs> for this I mean, type of analysis. You, that's why you pay the money for the mm-hmm. – oh, wait a minute. You don't pay money. It's free, so you get hope so. That, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, can can this? I want something from all of you on this. Can the Titans handle what figures to be a wild atmosphere at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland? I think the Browns fans are already there. I do too. And my answer to that is if the Titans can run the ball, yes, I think they can handle that wild atmosphere because that's the way you kind of shut the crowd down a little bit, shut the noise down, establish the run, control the football. If the Titans can't run the ball, uh, it could have some issues because you can put your quarterback in a situation where he's, where he's making calls uh, uh, and trying to do some things with the hysteria around him. Look, this is coming from experience being in over 600 NFL games. Coaches and players feed off of this. Wow. Feed off of this. You you love this. This is why you're in it. To be a visiting team in that kind of atmosphere, I mean, I could never wait to go play at Seattle. I could never wait to go play at Green Bay. And, and the players and coaches in this league love competition, and that even fuels it more. That's a great point because we had a Dory Jackson on Titans tonight and he said the same thing. He was excited about going in and, and having people not necessarily hate on him, but, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, guys love to go in and take the wind out of an entire stadium. You know, that really jazzes a team up. They get excited about going in and being those game wreckers. And so the more that they can set the pace, the more that the Titans can control the tempo and can just suck the air out of that stadium, the better it's going to be. All right, another concern outside of the four that I raised that you might have, Jim Wyatt, about the Titans taking on the Browns. Well, I, I, and I talked about the O-line and the personnel and whether or not I thought this group was capable of doing it. And this is the same thing with this position. But I think the receiver position, I mean, we've got a lot of guys who are – uh, who are in kind of prove-it situations. And, and Corey Davis needs to prove he can execute and perform at a high level on a consistent basis. Adam Humphreys will be playing in the game for the first time. I have no concerns about him. But A.J. Brown, first game as a Titan. You know, Tajay Sharp had a great camp. But a lot of guys that uh, kind of need to settle in and show that they can be accountable and produce – uh, in pressure pack situations on a consistent basis, and it starts on Sunday in Cleveland. In the opener, you, especially if you're on the road, you've always got to be able to withstand the early surge because the home team is usually going to have an early surge because they're at home. Everything You've got to be able to withstand that and then get settled in and play consistent ball. That's, that's what you have to do. I think the Titans need to score points. I mean, it 
again with the analysis, but it's really that simple. This Titans offense needs to score more points this season overall. Cleveland outscored them last year just without all of the offensive weapons that they've added this year, just scored more points last year. We need to get this offense rolling and actually get into the end zone. I'm going to give you the first chance here. What's the biggest advantage, a position, a matchup, whatever, that you think the Titans have over the Browns, Amy Wells? Cohesiveness and experience is what I said. I think that this team has played together. They know this coaching staff. There's a lot of veterans on this team. The experience together as a group is going to push them over the edge. The defensive pressure package against the Browns offensive line that Dean Pease is going to bring. And I'm with Amy. I wrote down cohesiveness on my list uh, just because uh, this group kind of this group is familiar. And uh, yes, some new pieces are in the mix, but they're you know familiar with everything going on around them. Where the Browns, so much is new and so many expectations and so much pressure on them leading into this game. Uh, I think the Titans have an advantage from that standpoint. Titans player, you are most eager to watch at Cleveland. I feel like I'm cheating, but the quarterback, I mean, Marcus Mariota and just how he does uh, in his first game under Arthur Smith with all of the weapons around him. We remember the last game up there. Remember a couple of games against Cleveland up there when things didn't go perfectly and um, start a year five for him. I'm excited to see how that goes. Jim kind of cheated. I actually cheated. I said the linebackers as a whole. I am ready to see people get hit. I'm ready for it. Hello. She's like that. Let's go. Every day. Cameron Wake. Ah. Cameron Wake is, is, is going to be a big piece of this defense, and, and what he brings is, is going to be important. Uh, I know how good a player he is. I want to see – I want him to be a really good player for us, and I, I'm really interested in watching him. Mine's Adam Humphreys. Kind of an easy one, too, but uh, excited about him. All right, Coach Mack, NFL matchup outside of Tennessee at Cleveland that you are most interested to see in kickoff weekend 2019. Bears Green Bay. I mean, I've, I've been involved in 20 of those games. It's a real deal. For 100 years, we were just up there. We know that. Those, you talk about fans, those fans that are going to that game, I think they stayed in their seats after that preseason game, you know, for Thursday. That, um, that's mine. Walter Payton and Papa Bear finally get statues. The, I mean, this is, look, Chicago Green Bay all the way. I think that's going to be a great game. I'm very excited, but I'm also interested to see Colts Chargers. I'm interested to see kind of what the Colts are doing after all of their changes that have happened in the last couple of weeks. And we've got them week two, so do some scouting. And for me, Kansas City, Jacksonville. That's mine. Uh, offense against defense and uh, whether Mahomes can keep it rolling and whether the Jags are, are going to be back and playing good defense again. Jacksonville's at home. This is a chance for them to get right back on the map, to win a big game. Their advantages are something – what they do well, I should say better, matches up well against Kansas City, and you just wonder if they might not have a sneak attack in place to get to 1-0 and and put themselves right back on the map. That's I hope the Kansas City scores 60 on them. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> well – I have a feeling that's not going to happen because I think Jacksonville's pretty good on defense. I say shoot for the stars, Coach Mack. I hope they score 60. I love you guys and appreciate the effort. And uh, switching the plan a little bit as we record this edition of the OTP after the news about Ryan's suck-up, we had something planned for the start. Can we still end with it? So we, we had sort of a fun week one nostalgia thing planned. Go ahead and hit that if you would. And this is big-time nostalgia. 
It's from 1998. And we can always say we had Ronnie Dunn on the OTP. <laughs> Even this if we is, cheated a little this bit. This is Ronnie Dunn. This is him. So for Coach Mack, for Amy Wells, for Jim Wyatt, here it is, the Tennessee Oilers theme song from 1998. Ronnie Dunn. Gotta love it. With the Tennessee Oilers, red, white, and blue. With the Tennessee Oilers, gonna get all over you. Yeah, the Tennessee Oilers, here we come. With the Tennessee Oilers, we're gonna beat you like a dog. Tennessee Orders, we're bad to the bone. Oh. Oh, we're the Tennessee Orders.